when you read the book of Acts, one of the things that is um, obvious is that those first Christians were committed to prayer. Prayer is a priority, and they were committed to established patterns of prayer. And it was really in a small, consistent prayer gathering that the church was birthed. And it's really through continual prayer that the church was sustained and that the movement um, of the church into the world happened as a result of a praying people. We still believe that. We still believe that prayer is vital. We believe it's needed. We believe to the degree that we pray, we see God move. And so we're inviting you to join uh, in 21 days of focused, agreeing prayer together with your Foursquare family around the world. We wanna begin the year together with our hearts united. We want to avail ourselves to what God wants to do in us and through us this year. You can sign up to be part of this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we believe that the more that we can gather together around God's throne with together in prayer, um, the better. So please join us. Amen. Who looks forward to a fast? No, I don't. <laughs> no, but I look forward to the, the results that the fast produces. And so we are going to uh, sacrifice in the way that the Lord leads us over this fast. The Dominks are in. And um, it's exciting that we're going to be joining together with this denomination, people around the world. I want the wisdom of God to navigate life successfully, and I want the power of God displayed in and through my life. Do you guys want that? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so um, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's just, I'm going to pray. We're, I'm going to talk about the giving, and then um, have John come up. Okay. First of all, there are several, sorry, several ways you can give on our website. You can give the basket back here. You can text to give 84321 or send a check to our P.O. box. Okay? Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are, for what you have done. We thank you that you are the majestic creator of the universe. We thank you for crowning us with glory and honor. We thank you, God, that you work in us and through us, that we can represent you to the world. We thank you that... Uh, the things you did back in the days of the early church, you still do and you long to do today. So, God, we ask for your blessing on us as we uh, fast together. And, um, Lord, you're so majestic. We give back a portion of what you've given us, and we just, it's a thank you. We say thank you, Lord. We ask, we invite your presence into the service, Lord, and uh, we just pray these things because we want you to be known. Amen.
as we opened up last uh, Sunday for 2022, is what is Jesus' vision for the church. I shared with you what I felt he said to me on my prayer retreat in December, and that was that he is restoring the church for the salvation of the world. If you live your life for anything, if your primary purpose in life is anything other than reaching the loss for Christ, you're not living God's primary purpose for your life. Uh, I have been pastoring now for 35 years, and when I find a Christian who's either bored or confused about what Jesus' purpose or plans for their life, I just take them to Matthew 28 that says, go. Everybody say, go. go. He, didn't say, he didn't save you to sit. That's not the purpose of our salvation, to get in the boat and just let everybody else drown, but we're going to make it to the shore. Um, we, we saw last, last week in the book of Revelation, this vast crowd of every nation, every tongue, every tribe, uh, representing the entire planet in this massive crowd that you couldn't even number. John saw the apostle John Jesus showed him this future of Jesus's dream. As I said last week, my calling is not to help you find out how God can fulfill your dreams. That's not my calling. My calling is to help you figure out how you can participate in fulfilling God's dream. And his dream is for you to be in that crowd and hopefully to help you find others who can also be in that crowd. And if that is not your primary purpose, you're always going to be frustrated as a believer. You may get answered prayers, you may do this or that, and you may have some level of satisfaction. But the, the, the deep sat, I'm telling you, leading somebody across the line to Jesus is the most fulfilling thing I have ever experienced on this side of, of heaven. It is a joy that truly is unspeakable and full of glory. The Holy Spirit on the inside, the Trinity, explodes on the inside of you because God knows, the Holy Spirit knows that when you invite somebody across the line to receive Jesus, all of heaven knows that that person's destiny just changed from hell to heaven. There's nothing greater than that. There's nothing more important than that. And that's what Jesus has always been about, is about, and always will be about. Jesus is not caught up in the pandemic. He's not caught up in who's going to be president. He's not caught up in racial wars. He's caught up in saving souls. And when the church is on his page, when his primary purpose is our primary purpose, we are going to find heaven resonating through our spiritual lives. As I said before, and whenever I find a bored Christian, I ask them, when's the last time you shared your faith? Who's depending on your walk? Who are you discipling? Because Jesus did not call us to be a lake. He called us to be rivers of living water. Can I hear an amen? amen. All right. So we're in a series. Uh, last week I, I launched a, uh, well, I gave a prophetic word for a new year, which is God's dream, being a part of that dream. Today we are going to uh, launch a new series. I'm calling None Too Far. Everybody say None Too Far. None Too Far. None too far. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe there's any person on the planet today that is outside of Jesus's reach? Let me ask a secondary question. Do you believe that there's anybody on the planet today that is beyond your reach? I've got five honest people in church today. Praise the Lord. I'm going to preach to you guys. The rest of you are just a bunch of big fat liars or you're in total denial or I don't know what's going on inside your head right now, but here's the, here's the truth. In fact, I was having lunch with a church member this week 
and uh, they said, do you really think that, that our church like, thinks there are people that, you know, that we, we, we couldn't reach? Like, you think there's, uh, I said, 100%. Really? Our church? Absolutely. And I said, I'm one of them. And I shared with him somebody that I think is a little bit beyond my reach. They shouldn't be, but it's my issue. And then he said, well, actually, here's, here's the person I, I feel like I would not be able to reach. And we both looked at each other like, okay, well, now we're being honest, right? Because we all have prejudices. We all have hate. We all have, have um, um, different barriers on the inside of us that keep us from reaching certain people. You have to ask yourself, who is too far for me? How far is too far? Is it the transsexual or the gender fluid, the bisexual? Is it the judgmental heterosexual? Is it the banker, the beggar, the locked up, the tatted up, the knocked up? Is it the Muslim? Is it the Jew? Is it the Mormon? Is it the atheist? Is it the black? Is it the white? It's the Asian. Um, who's beyond your reach? Today, I want us to look at Jesus's reach, which is limitless. And then let's reach with him. My prayer over this series is that if there are people that are truly beyond your reach, if you're not honest about this, you'll be like, well, I don't have any prejudices. You're just in denial. Okay. If you don't admit to yourself, if you're not honest, that somebody maybe is too far left politically or too far right politically and you know you hate them come on you know you can't stand them that kind of barrier that's on the inside of you is going to be the thing that's more important to you than the gospel reaching that person let let me let me explain something you might say well look i didn't sign up for this oh yes you did when you said yes to jesus okay come on up here right come here He's like, dear God, pick somebody else. You you pick one of the biggest introverts in church to come up, right? When you say yes to Jesus, I did this. Yes to Jesus. I'll take this one, all right? Says yes to Jesus. Awesome. You got a free hand. You still have another hand, don't you? You know what you're supposed to do with this one? Uh, No, you're too far for me. Okay. I I could probably reach you. This right here, bam is what we're supposed to be doing with our lives right there all right when you said go ahead you can sit down jesus and you're too far from god sit down when you said yes to jesus and you grabbed his hand the other hand its purpose is to reach other people one at a time and connect them to jesus we bring jesus to people and we bring people to jesus that's what we do and if you don't get honest about the prejudices the hatred the dislike, the discomfort with whatever people group, whatever individuals in your heart, that barrier is going to stop you from being able to bring Jesus to them and them to Jesus. There is no other issue in your life that's more important than getting Jesus to somebody and getting somebody to Jesus. Can I hear an amen? amen. So this series, man, we're going to break down some walls and you got to be vulnerable. You got to be honest and transparent and say, Jesus, rebuke me, get me. Break down these walls in the inside of me so that you can reach anybody through me. Boy, great prayer in John chapter 17. Look at this. 
John chapter 17. Today we're going to look at a handful of people Jesus reached that's going to uh, help us see and leave this place with a fresh mentality that anybody's reachable. And in John chapter 17, I'm going to show you your, your piece of this again. You're, you're a link in the chain between Jesus and the person that he's trying to reach. You're the link in the chain. Again, you might say, I don't want to be the link in the chain. Well, you are a link in the chain. You just are. And when you own it, it becomes fun. Because now you get to be used by Jesus. Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, he says this. I am praying not only for these disciples, that would be James and John and Peter and okay, his, first, his first crew that he ran with, his first disciples. I am praying not only for these guys, but also for all, everybody say all. He's praying for all who will ever believe in me through what? Whose message? Yeah. Whose message? There you go. All right. Yeah. Two people are up to speed. Jesus was not only praying for his current disciples at that time in the first century. He was also praying for all of those who would come to believe in Jesus through their message. But then, if you follow the logical progression of this, he was also praying, he said, who would ever believe. He's also praying for the people who would come to believe through their message, which is Jesus' message. And now he's praying for the people that just came to Christ through their message, for them to share the message. And he's praying for the people who will come to Christ through their message. And from generation to generation, and now here we are. And now, the way that people come to Christ today in San Diego County, in Florida, or wherever you travel or influence or talk to or meet, whoever, the way they're going to get saved is through your message, which is his message, which is the message of the gospel. It's very simple. Come to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You see, we share and show the gospel. Now, there are those that would say, hey, you know, I I just like to show the gospel. I want to be Jesus to people. That's great. Please do that. Because if you're going to share the gospel, but you're going to act like an idiot, that really, that, that, that blows everything, right? It's like some people that say they're Christian. I just ask them to please shut up. You're, you're damaging the cause. Don't let anybody know you're a Christian. But if all you're going to do is say, well, I, I show the gospel. Well, that's great. You, you might be kind and generous and giving and humble and it's attractive. But that doesn't save somebody. The message saves people. The Bible says the gospel, the gospel is the power of God to salvation. We've got to do both of them. We've got to show the gospel by how we live. And there's times you have got to share the message. It's so simple that Jesus died for your sins, rose from the dead. And if you receive him as your savior, your sins will be completely forgiven. He'll breathe his spirit into you. You'll be called born again, a son or daughter of God. And now let's grab some other people on our way to that big, vast crowd, roaring salvation comes from our God. Amen? Amen. All right, so I love John Burke's quote out of the book, uh, No Perfect People Allowed. What do a Buddhist a biker couple, a gay rights activist, a transient, a high-tech engineer, a Muslim, a 20-something single mom, a Jew, a couple living together, and an atheist all have in common, they are the future church in America. And every one of those people he quoted in there were not saved when they came to his church. They are saved, and many of them are leading in his church today. 
because of the mentality. We're going to cover two things through this series. One is your attitude, and the other one is your aptitude. The attitude is how you feel, how you perceive and think about certain kinds of people. That's your attitude. Your attitude will block the gospel if it's not Jesus' attitude. But we're also going to talk about aptitude, and that is how to effectively share the gospel. But if you don't care to share the gospel with somebody, it doesn't matter if you know how to share because you're not going to share it because of attitude. So I want to go through a couple of people, a few people in the Bible, looking at Jesus' attitude towards certain kinds of people. The first one I'm going to look at is a guy named Saul. Saul was the number one persecutor of the church in the first century. This is the person in your life who hates Christians. Doesn't just not believe, they hate Christians. They hate Jesus and they hate you and they hate Christians. And this is a step farther. This is a person who didn't just hate Jesus and hate Christians. He was literally imprisoning them, having them tortured and killed. The Bible says the church was in terror of Saul. He was a terrorist to the first century church. Do you think he was out of the Christian's reach at that time? Maybe. I'll tell you this. Nobody had him on their radar. I don't think anybody's saying, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to go share the gospel with Saul. There, there are people that just, we don't even consider, oh, that person would never get saved. I'm not going to go witness to that person. But Jesus doesn't think that way. Look at these scriptures regarding Saul. Saul was one of the witnesses. Now that being, uh, I jumped into the passage there. So the first martyr in the Bible was a guy named Stephen. He's preaching. Uh, it was just a, just a few days after he gets saved, he's preaching. And they stoned him to death because the Jews at that time were uh, just livid that the believers are still preaching in the name of Jesus. Jesus died, rose from the dead, and now the church is unleashed and everybody's out there preaching. And so here's uh, Stephen preaching. And so they decide they've heard enough. And so they take off their coats. They throw them down at the feet of a young man named Saul. He was the, the coat keeper for the people who picked up rocks and just hurled them at Stephen until they stoned him to death. And Stephen says, Right before he died, I see the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. What a vision for Stephen to get right before he died. But Paul was the, the coat keeper. He was watching them do it. So I'll hold your coat while you stone this guy to death. That's gnarly, man. So here we pick up the story. Saul was one of the witnesses and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. This is ISIS, but it's ISIS isolated on the church. He went from house to house dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison acts 9 says this meanwhile saul was uttering threats with every breath was eager to kill the lord's followers 
So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues of Damascus, asking for the cooperation. And the arrest of any followers of the way, that's what they called it in the first century, was the way, Christianity was the way. He found that he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Acts 22, now this is Saul, now his name's changed to Paul. He's not a terrorist anymore. He's an apostle to the church. Jesus got him. Jesus reached him, Rick. That's a long reach, Jack. Man. Jesus is like, he's not too big and bad for me. I'm the savior of the world. That includes Saul of Tarsus. Come on, church. And so now Saul, whose name's Paul, is given his testimony. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. The high priests and the whole council of elders can testify this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. And then in Acts 26, he's given his testimony again. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers there to be sent to prison, and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times, I had them punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down to foreign cities. Not only was Saul not on any Christian's radar, I would guess. I'm not even sure they, would, they wanted him to get saved. How many of you, come on, remember we're going to get honest up in here. How many of you, there are people like you don't even want to see him in heaven, right? You know what I'm saying? Like I don't, I don't even want that person saved. Oh, this is going to be a tough couple of months here. Uh huh. You got a few names. All right. God gives grace to the humble. Some grace just got dumped out over there. Jesus not only could reach Saul, he wanted to reach Saul, and he did reach Saul. And so then he goes in a vision, he appears to a guy named Ananias and says, Ananias, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, appears to, Jesus, uh, appears to Ananias in a vision. Hey, uh, I need you to go to this dude's house because uh, Saul's over there and uh, I want you to go meet with Saul. And, and Ananias has said, what? What? I mean, Ananias is like, see, Saul's not even, not, the only thing, the only part of, uh, of Ananias' radar that Saul is on is the the number one persecutor of Christians, and yet Jesus said, "I want you to go. I want you to go hang out with him." And so he he had to tell he had to give him a vision to budge him beyond his fear zone to go meet with Saul. God many times is going to have to do something supernatural to break you out of your little comfort zone of who you're going to go share the gospel with and he will do it and then ananias because he obeyed became the link in the chain between paul and the church world and the gentile world ananias had to budge he had to get out of his fear to be able to be the link in the chain for jesus to be able to get Paul out into the mission field. And then you see the gathering demoniac. My goodness. 
when you talk about some of this too far, I was talking to a teenager this week and I said, oh, do you think that you would be able to reach so-and-so as it was his friend? And that he said, no way, he's too far gone. You see, when you tried to reach somebody, you tried to reach somebody and you tried to reach somebody and they just seem to be completely shut off. Let me, let me tell you this. I pray to God you believe this and it sticks in your head. The person who seems the farthest from God many times are the closest to God because they are the most in touch with their brokenness and they're miserable. That's why they're lashing out because God's messing in their heart. Don't, don't be fooled by that. And, and always believe the gospel message is the power of God to salvation to those who believe it. I thank God for Chris Jordan, man, this week. And Ashley, who got him off his butt to go visit his grandma, who was 98, up in Sacramento. And Chris just called his mom. And his mom said, oh, by the way, your grandma's about to die. This is just this week. And, and uh, Chris was like, well, I'm busy. You know, I'm, I can't leave working. And, and Ashley said, you need to go now. Don't you love wives? Don't, aren't wives great? Yeah, you need to go now. So Chris went up to flew up to Sacramento this week. He met with his 98-year-old grandma who had never received Jesus. Well, she's all the way in Sacramento and I'm busy. She's 98. She hasn't received him yet, you know. I mean, we'll pray for her. Oh, Jesus, please appear to her in the hotel room. No. Jesus needs a link in the chain. Chris said that she had not been able to hear for five years without her hearing aids. Can't, I mean, can't hear you. He said that she did not have her hearing aids in, and he led her to Jesus on her deathbed. And Ashley gets all the credit for that. <laughs> and she got the espresso machine, machine yesterday at our volunteer appreciation breakfast. It was so funny for those of you who weren't here. Chris wins the raffle for the espresso machine, but Ashley jumped up and grabbed it and hugged it and just sat down with it. The gathering demoniac was in the Bible. For those of you who don't know, there's a guy who was so demon possessed, they chain him up and they, they had him out in the caves and they chained him up. He lived out in the desert, but he had break the chains and he went to town and terrorized everybody. Unmanageable, uncontrollable, unreachable. You know anybody like that? But not to Jesus. Jesus shows up, casts the demons out, and says the guy was sitting in his right mind. Man, I remember I was down in Mexico a while back, and I was in my hotel room, and I always pray and ask Jesus, show me, show me what you see for tonight's meeting. I don't want to miss what you want to do. And all of a sudden, I saw this uh, lady coming down the aisle in like a vision. Um, it was in my imagination. So sometimes you don't know it's a vision, or it's just your imagination. But God uses your imagination. He gave you your imagination. We use it for all sorts of weird stuff. But He gave us our imagination to be able to create with, and to see things with, and to imagine with, and to, and to imagine somebody that can, you don't think would ever come to Jesus, coming to Jesus. And so I saw this lady running down the aisle, and when I, rub, when I rub, uh, wrapped my arms around her, these demons came out, and she just, uh, uh, she was set free. And so I forgot about that. And I'm literally teaching on the gathering demoniac. And uh, as I started teaching, I was like five minutes into it. All of a sudden, I remembered that, that imagination or the vision or whatever it was in my hotel room that afternoon. I was like, oh, oh, 
I'm teaching on a demon-possessed person, and I remember, uh, and now I'm looking at everybody who's there, and this is going to be a weekend. This is the first meeting of the weekend. It's five minutes into it, and now I've got to decide, am I going to risk it? Because if this doesn't work, what a dud. Oh, the great apostle coming down from America, down to Mexico to do this weekend. And people are busting from all over Mexico. And I'm going to start out with, I had a vision this afternoon. There's somebody here who's demon-possessed, right? I mean, well, that's what I did. I decided to risk it because if you don't risk, you're not going to see the kingdom. I stepped out in front of the pulpit and I said what I said to you guys, what I saw this afternoon. Are you, uh, it was somebody that was suicidal. That's what it was. Somebody is suicidal. And, I, and I, I said it, and I waited. Crickets. It was so uncomfortable. I was like, oh, Jesus, please let somebody be suicidal in here tonight. Please, Lord. Let a suicidal spirit come on, and I'll cast it off. But at least I'll look good, right? I waited longer than I've ever waited before, man, because it was like, there's no recovering from that. You know, I was, oh, okay, I guess I don't hear from God. Thanks for having me down, though. Thank God a woman got out of her chair. <laughs> and she came walking down the aisle, and I went to wrap my arms around her, and she just collapsed on the floor, and then she started manifesting. And I mean, like, we're talking about real manifestation. And we cast the devil out of her. What made me think about this was reading what, what happened in this passage, which says that after this guy who's demon-possessed was sitting in his right mind, is what it says. After she got delivered, she was sitting, second row, aisle seat, in her right mind. It was literally exactly what happened here. And it's not because I am an apostle or a pastor or a spirit. It's because I'm a Christian. And so are you if you've given your life to Jesus. You can do the same thing. We are unleashed, the body of Christ. There's not just one Jesus. There are Christians. There are many Christs. Not that you're, okay, do I need to qualify that? Not that you're a God, but you have the anointing on you. That's what Christ is, the anointing. That's what christening is. It's the anointing. And so uh, Mario, who's down there, who's our our, our one of our pastors down there, he asked the hosting pastor, now, was this real? Like, is she, that she had ex- exhibitionist, did she just go to churches and blah, 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 but it's never written. She said, no, she owns seven restaurants in our city. She's a prominent businesswoman. She would never act like, all weekend long, she was coming up to us, all weekend long, saying, thank you. I've been to doctors, I've been on medication, I've been to counseling. She goes, I've done it all, and I was going to kill myself because I am tormented. She goes, I am free. It says in Mark chapter 5, and when he got into the boat, he who was demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. In other words, be a link in the chain. What's his, Christians say, what, what's God's purpose for my life? Right here. Go tell your friends and family, the great things the Lord has done for you. Has the Lord done great things for you? Then that's your message. That's your testimony. Tell your friends, your family members, your neighbors, strangers, 
the great things the Lord has done for you. And he departed and began to proclaim it through the ten cities all around what Jesus had done. And do you know if you read on in the Bible, when Jesus went back to that region, the first time they kicked him out during this episode because their livelihood was disturbed because there were pig farmers and Jesus cast the demon out of the guy, went into the pigs, the pigs go into the, the ocean and they were all mad at him. When that guy, the link in the chain, this guy, you, make the connection here, went back and told all his friends and his neighbors about what Jesus did. The next time Jesus came to that region, it says they brought all the sick and all the lame and there was a massive revival. Why? One person that was touched by Jesus did not keep his mouth shut, but told everybody what Jesus had done for him. That's all it took. All right. What about the woman at the well? For those of you who know the Bible, in John chapter 4, there's a woman been married five times. The guy she's with is not her husband. She was, she was uh, you know, marginalized. Do you know anybody in your life that's marginalized? Maybe somebody that's across the cultural wall. Jesus said, I got to go to Samaria. I must go to Samaria. I must go there. And he's got these, his first disciples were all Jews. And they're like, we're not going to Samaria. The, the sole of my foot will not touch d- the dust of Samarian soil. Not going to happen. They are a polluted people. They are a different race. They are, their, their spirituality is disgusting to me. They don't believe the way we believe. They would literally go around Samaria. If you're going from here to here, point A to point B, and Samaria's in the middle, they will go all the way around that town. Be like going around Escondido. I'm not going through Escondido. I'm not going through San Ysidro. I'm not going through Ramona, a bunch of hicks up there. I'm from Ramona, by the way, so settle down. You don't want to, yeah, I know, hey, you don't want to get those people mad, I promise you that right now. They do. Everyone has, as one person in our church here says, uh, I have one less gun than I need. Was she too far? She was too far for Jesus' followers' reach at that time in their head and in their heart. If it wasn't for Jesus showing them and showing us, everyone needs him, and you are the link in the chain. If he did not exemplify for them, yes, we're even going to go share the gospel with the Samaritans. They, they wouldn't have done it. In fact, we're going to see in a minute, as we're coming to a close in a few minutes, that it took them a while, even after that encounter, even after they saw her as the link in the chain to the salvation to that entire town. For those of you who don't know the story, Jesus engages her in conversation, which, which Stephanie will teach you how to do in 401. He engaged her in conversation, spiritual conversation, she ends up realizing he's the Messiah. She runs back into town, this marginalized woman who has no influence. You see, in Christianity, we think, oh, if that person got saved, they'd be great for the kingdom of God because, you know, they're popular or they're an athlete or they're wealthy or they have platform. 
What we have noticed, what we've learned in, the, in Christendom is when you get a movie star or a, a person of prominence and they get saved and immediately you put them on the stage, they fall. It happens, isn't it, Mark? It happens over and over and over again. It says, do not put a novice into a place of leadership. They haven't been through the storms of spiritual warfare yet. They haven't made it yet. They're not stable yet. And what we have found is it's those who, it's those who are in touch with their lostness who make the best Christians. I like what Shelly Cowpersman says, who's uh, on our staff and she's watching online right now. She said it to me this week. She said, so often we say those who are forgiven much love much because Jesus said that. But he said it to a, a woman who was broken, who was like this woman. This, uh, this other woman happened to be a prostitute. And, and, and she was weeping over Jesus' feet and, and drying his feet with her hair because she had been forgiven by him. And yet here's this spiritual leader, this Christian, this self-righteous, church-going, tithing Christian who's despising the fact that Jesus is allowing this filthy woman to touch his feet. And he's saying, in his mind, the Pharisee was saying, the religious Christian was saying, oh, well, if he was a true prophet, he would know man man or woman he's allowing to touch his feet. And Jesus said to him, the one who has been forgiven much, loves much. He wasn't saying to Simon, you you don't need to be forgiven much, so I, I understand you're of a different category. No, the fact that he was judging her means he had greater sin than she did. He just wasn't aware of it. I asked the Holy Spirit to make us aware of our self-righteous, judgmental, careless, cold, indifferent hearts. So that we can be a link in the chain for Jesus to save anybody. Can I hear an amen? Come on. Get your tambourine out, Mary. Come on, I, I need something right now. Come on, get that thing. Let's go. All right. Okay, I, I got it. I'm sorry, but he said it right. Come on. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, what's happening now? Now we're going to have a prophecy. Oh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. It's, a, it's green on the bottom. Okay. You just brought up to my memory uh, the trip that I went down to India with Stephanie on. And I saw where one, the difference that one man could make for an entire village. Mm. And this man was on our team. His name was Bhutan. He's just really this sweet guy. And as we went out and ministered the first day, these guys just didn't know what to do. And I was praying, for the Lord, praying to the Lord that night, and he said, Lead him getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. The next morning, this is just the aside, I prayed over four of them. They all got filled with the Spirit, fell on the ground, changed everything. Now, I'm not the guy that changed the village, by the way. So, Bhutan, when he got saved, he was the only man in his village that was a believer. He came home, and three or four of the guys took him out in the field, beat the fire out of him. One guy took a gun and held it to him and said, I'm going to kill you if you don't renounce this Jesus Christ. He went back home through a series of things that I won't even share now his wife got saved and that was a whole nother story 
So we're sitting, he and his family were the only ones in this village that knew Jesus. And I'm sitting on their porch, we're having tea, and this guy comes up and he's drunk and we're talking. He goes, that's the man that pulled the gun on me. I thought, oh boy. This guy didn't want anything to do with what we were doing. He was being obscene and all that, and he left. The next day we went, this guy just had a heart for his village. He goes, I want to go back to my village. Let's go back to my village. We went back. We preached to his village. That man was there. Hmm. I, I can't remember. I'd have to look at my notes. I think 15 or 16 people got saved, and that man was one of them. And it was because of Bhutan's faithfulness. <laughs> one man. <laughs> After last Sunday's message on God's dream and that we are to be about God's dream, he's not about, he, he is about ours because he's a good father and a great God. But we're to be about his dream and then he'll take care of our dreams. And so after that message, um, Jerry and Stephanie Deming, Stephanie was the one doing the announcements today, they just spontaneously said, I wonder what happened to Joseph. Now Joseph is a person who lives on the streets and has uh, mental uh, illness. And they just said to one, I wonder what happened to Joseph. The next day, this is last week, this is showing how Jesus is in this with us. He's like in this message. He's like, his primary purpose is reaching the farthest in our minds. The farthest. Joseph, the next day, knocks on their door. How long was it since you had seen Joseph? Probably a year and a half. A year and a half they had not seen him. Lives on the streets. Jerry had led him to the Lord a year and a half earlier. And they said, I wonder what happened to Joseph. He knocked on their door this week, the day after they came up into their minds. Who do you think put Joseph on their mind? Who do you think drew Joseph to their door? Nobody is too far for God. You know, when I got saved, my friends didn't even believe it. One of them came before phones were invented. That's how long ago it was. With a video camera and videotaped me, said... Because I moved to San Diego and I graduated from school in Columbus, Ohio, high school. And they said, he said, I want personal testimony of you telling our friends from high school that you got saved and that you're a pastor. Because they think we're pulling a prank like we used to. Who's too far for you? I was too far for people who knew me. They would never imagine that I would be a Christian, let alone a pastor. But there was a guy at work on a construction site every day that would invite me to church. He just annoyed me into the kingdom of God. (laughs) The only reason I went. Now he could have looked at me and said, oh man, that guy would never. Come on, let's not, don't say no for anybody. What if he, what if he just said, you know, I, I don't think that guy would ever come to church. I don't think that guy would ever. Who is that? Who is that? in your life. I'm like, get him in your mind right now. That person at school, that classmate, that friend, right? Who is that in your life? That person would never. Thank God that guy was a link in the chain for me. I went just so he would stop asking me. That's why I went. And I walked in and it was like this. And I was like, what? 
It was better than a bar. And I didn't, I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. Went a few weeks, knelt down by my bed, 19 years old, and said, Jesus, I don't know if you're real or not. But if you're who those people say you are, I'm inviting you into my life. That was 40 years ago. Thank God he was willing to be a link in the chain. What prejudices do you have in your heart that's blocking the gospel? Who is it that you hate, that annoys you, that you don't care about, that you're jealous of, envy? Who is it? Jesus can't reach them through you. Do you care? Let's care. Let's be on God's page. Come on, let's close our eyes and come to the Holy Spirit right now. Just ask the Lord right there to say, Lord, well, first let's just ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, just get honest with the Holy Spirit right now because if you don't, this is just preaching. It's just a message that you hope will be over soon. We can move on to something more comfortable. Don't let that happen. This is your destiny, being a link in the chain between Jesus and those who are far from God. Hey, Republican, Jesus might use you to lead a Democrat to him. Can you imagine that? Democrat, lead a Republican to the Lord. What's your prejudice? Ask the Holy Spirit. Be humble. Be honest right now. Just say, Lord, where are my prejudices? What are my cultural barriers? What are my racial barriers? What are my socioeconomic barriers that are more important to me than the gospel? Don't be afraid. Just ask him that question. He'll, he'll, he'll bring it up into your heart. He's the shepherd of your soul. I know what mine is. I even confessed it to a brother this week. Okay, now ask Jesus to tear it down. Just confess it to the Lord. Say, Lord, that is sin. pray this prayer just out loud off your lips right now to say Jesus I want to be a link in the chain say forgive me for making other things more important in the gospel now use me Lord to reach those who are far from you. Let's keep your eyes closed for a minute. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to show you, show you somebody. Let's keep your eyes closed. And ask the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, who do you want me to reach? Okay, now 
Um, how many of you feel like a face or a name or somebody came up in your heart right then? Look at that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Can I pray this prayer? No, online you do this with us as well. What is the next step you would have me take, Jesus, and being a link in the chain to that person? Just ask him that. Just ask him that question, and just see what comes to your heart and your mind. Okay, now you commit to doing that and watch how Jesus gets involved in that process with you. And you're going to, I know you believe what I preach today, but you're really going to believe it when you start seeing him activate in your life as you decide that being a link in the chain to anybody is more important than anything else in your life. And you're going to watch the activity of Jesus in your life more than you've ever experienced before. Because Jesus is after every soul on this planet. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Come on. Amen. All right. So we're going to continue on this over the next couple of months so that Jesus can tenderize our hearts and open our eyes. To reach every person on this planet. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and let's stand. May never have given your life to Jesus before. And you need to come up and let these prayer teams pray for you to receive Jesus as your Savior. Some of you, maybe you need a miracle. And they're going to pray with you and believe with you for a miracle in your life. Maybe it's a financial breakthrough miracle. Boy, I got one of those this week, man. So good. I was on the phone with somebody and they were desperate for some money uh, because they had a need. And somebody else called from another state and said, like, I feel like God wanted me to give such and such a cash offering. And it was like, wow, exactly what they needed. So I was able to call the person up and say, somebody just said, God laid you on their heart. And they were totally silent. I was like, what's up? And he said, I am shocked and speechless. I don't even know what to say. And this person is not walking with God. Yeah, Jesus is after. But anyway, he does miracles, financial miracles. If you have physical he- uh, sickness in your body, or you know somebody who needs a breakthrough, these prayer teams are here to pray with you, okay? And, um, but let's, let's, let's uh, go out today with a song of praise. And uh, if you need prayer, slide out of your seat. Come on up front. Let these guys start praying over you. Let some miracles flow in here as we uh, close out our services the next couple of minutes. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior. The hope of nations Sing and Savior He can move the mountains My God is mighty to save He is mighty to save Forever Author of salvation Hero 